Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of Ruby Book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Siran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. Continuing on with Ruby Under a Microscope by Pat Shaughnessy, this week we're looking at local and dynamic access of variables. Remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club. And if you're reading along and you're on Twitter, tweet at us and let us know what you think of the book so far. We'd love to hear from you. Coming from last week, how are we feeling about this week's reading? So I thought this week's reading was, Mm -hmm. okay, I I thought it was still a little confusing, but to be fair, I kind of rushed it a little bit. Like I didn't really take the time that I should have taken. And I also read it like I'm like traveling, you know, right now when I, when I read it. So I was a little like disoriented with that. And also I didn't do my exercise in the morning. So I was also like kind of cranky when I read it. So for all those reasons, (laughs) I'm gonna, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say that it it was probably (laughs) harder for me than it really should have been. Um, so it was okay. It was okay. But I think it was like kind of my fault that it wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah, for me, this is where I was starting. So we've had a few episodes of lower scoring. And this was the first reading in a while where I started to remember a bit about why we were excited about the book. I thought the explanations um, were a bit clearer and I got them better and things, continuing on from last week, think more things were starting to fall into place. However, I think it was in this reading, there was a lot of... Um, we're going to touch on this in chapter six or in chapter mm, eight. Yeah. And so that was two things. It was a bit frustrating at times because I felt like there were all these things introduced that we didn't dive into. But on the other hand, it made me think, ah, so the rest of this book is not new things. It's more deep diving to things we already know. So that made me feel a bit calm and confident and, and looking forward to, okay, so that's going to be clearer later. Yes. Yeah. I also felt that as well. Um, it was like last week when we were talking about how it was like catching fireflies. Like this was the kind of thing where at least it was good because then I knew like, okay, I'm not supposed to read this or worry about it. But uh, there were definitely a lot of those. And I, it felt, it felt like, like a tease, you know, because I'm like, oh, am I going to, oh no, I can't look at that right now. I got to wait for a little bit. So yeah, definitely felt the same way. Okay. So shall we start with the uh, local and dynamic access of Ruby variables? Yep. Let's do it. So we start this section with a rather straightforward question, which is we have these variables how does Ruby handle them internally and where are they stored? And we find out that Ruby stores all of the values that you save in variables on YAV stack, including parameters and the return values. And depending on whether you're looking at um, a method that's within the current scope, so that's local access, or whether you're trying to access a variable that's in a different scope, that's dynamic access, that means that there are different methods for how Ruby saves and retrieves the values. So let's go into local variable access. So this is where um, the the values um, are stored and retrieved using the local table. So we know all about the local table and we've discussed that over a few episodes. And um, this is where Ruby works out, you know, what the value of a particular variable is. And so we're looking now at figure 3.16. And what we see on the left is a method called display underscore string. And inside the body of the method, we have str str equals, and then the string local access will stop. And then we do puts str end. Mm-hmm. And now on the right, we have um, one of those stacks that looks like a yard stack. So it's like um, a white rectangle with um, uh, black line divisions. And on the bottom block, we have str. In the, the next block up, we have svar slash cref. Um, and then the right hand side outside of the box, there's a there's a line that says or a word that says variables. And then a, back in the yard stack um, on on the block above SVAR and CREF, we have special. And then the block above that is empty, 
but there's an arrow pointing into that which says SP. So what we've got here is what the Ruby code on the left and the right showing the YAR stack and the stack pointer that corresponds to that. And so those three things that I mentioned, str, svar, cref, and special, um, that is how um, Ruby stores the variables on this stack. And so now looking more into svar slash cref, that is going to be either a pointer to a table of the special variables in the current method or in the current lexical scope. So what does Pat mean by the special variables? He's talking about things like dollar exclamation mark, which refers to the last exception message, and dollar ampersand, which refers to the last regular expression match. This is interesting because I recognize like, for example, we do things like, I think we type in something like question mark bang or something like that to get the exit code for a um, for when something's run. And I, I think there mm -hmm. are some links there between those things that we type into the terminal, like the bash commands and these um, these special value variables. Um, I'd have to look into that in more detail. But that's interesting because there's this, I didn't know there was this reference of, it's almost metadata about um, a, a Ruby program that's stored in the SVAR CREF bit. Um, and then this idea of um, lexical scope, that means that um, it talks about the wider class or module that you're currently looking into as opposed to a specific message, as opposed to a specific method. And here we have the first of, we're going to look at that in more detail in experiment 3.2. Um, and lexical scope is discussed in chapter six. Um, and then there's the last thing, which is special. And that tracks information related to blocks. And we're going to have more of that in a moment when we do dynamic variable access. So we're not really going to dig into any of them um, apart from this STR bit at the moment. Yeah. Okay. So I have several questions about this. So one. Let's go. <laughs> so focusing on figure 3-16, mm -hmm. that thing on the right, that is the local table. No. That is not the local table. Okay. So what is, that's the stack? That's the YAR stack. Yav's own so internal stack, stack. Okay. that was introduced, yeah. Okay, is the local table related to anything at this point? No, it's not even here. It's not shown anywhere. It's nothing. There's there's no rep there's no visual representation of the local table. <laughs> okay, so it says Ruby knows how many variables you're using by consulting local table creator for each method during the compilation step discussed in local table on page 46. So I'm going to go back to that for a second. Um, okay, yeah, so I'm looking at specifically figures 2-15 and 2-16 when we have the YARV instructions that we have the local table right next to it. Um, I, I don't remember if the local table is, is it like actually part of the YARV instruction or is it a set, because the way visually, the way it looks, it looks like it's, it looks like it's kind of one idea, but we're calling out the local table separately. Do you, yeah, so do you each recall? Yeah, so it's each stack of YARV instructions has a mapping to a local table. So going back to figure 316, is it safe to assume that the YARV instructions also has a local table, but we're not referencing it here? Yeah, we're not even looking at YARV instructions here. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. I just wanted to check because I was like, local variables, we've talked about local tables, what happened? Okay, cool. So it's, it's there, we're just not looking at it right now. Mm -hmm. So in 3.16, we have those, uh, we have our YARV's internal stack. And with that figure, I wasn't sure, is that, that's not a snapshot of things, right? Is that just, is, it, is that basically with the, um, with the variables section, the, you know, STR, the SVAR slash CREF and the special, are those just, is, is Pat just telling us what's to come? Like, this is where it's going to go? 
or has anything actually been done with that stack? This is a starting point. I think this is like, you've got some Ruby code, this is a starting point, and we haven't, and then you'll see when we go on to the next figure, now we start looking at the Yav instructions. But the basic like high level, okay, I've got a piece of code. So first of all, the first thing I need to do is to get any local variables. Okay, we've only got STR, so I'm going to pop that there. Then we always have this SVAR and CREF thing. And then we, we always have this special thing. But of course, in this code, there is no block. So nothing will be in special. But how would it even know what to reserve? Like, okay, is it reserving space because it actually looked at the code and said, I'm going to need these things? Or is it whenever Ruby hits any method, period, it just automatically reserves these spaces and then later fills it out. So there's a bit further on in the book, I think it's page 70 that we're going to get to, where he says um, the calling code pushes the arguments onto the stack before the method call even occurs. So I think there's a bit of stuff, there's there's some step beforehand where Ruby works out, it takes some certain information from the method before it even begins to look at Yav instructions or like compile or execute the code. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how it works, but it seems that, that there is some stuff that happens pre any of the like processing that we're aware of. So does that mean that in figure 316, those three variables are like because of the code or is it just what happens with every internal stack? Does that make sense? No, it's not every because, well, for example, I think it's, it's a bit of both. So for example, you wouldn't see STR if there wasn't a variable called STR in the code. Right. Like if the variable was called something like, you know, sun, it would be like sun in there. Um, and any other local variables would be in there at the bottom as well. As this is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But but each one, I think, would have this SVAR slash CUF space and would also have this special space. Because, for example, there there would be nothing in special now because we don't have a block here. But if we did have a block, it would some information about it would be stored in special. Okay. Again, keep in mind that a lot of that last paragraph that I just discussed had a lot of, we'll look at this later in this bit. We'll mm-hmm, look at this later mm-hmm. in this bit. So there are a lot of unanswered questions, definitely. Um, okay. So next we will go to figure 3-17. Uh, and here we are dealing with the same block of codes. We have the def display string, str equals local access, which is a string, puts str end. And on the right, we have the same internal YARV stack uh, which has the str at the very bottom row, svar slash cref, and then special. Uh, but the big difference here is that we have an additional pointer. So at first, we only had our sp, which is our stack pointer. But this time, we've added a new pointer, which is our ep, which is our environment pointer. So here, uh, with this environment pointer, it says that this points to where the local variables for the current method are located on the stack. So our ep here is pointing to special. Um, which I don't really understand because isn't isn't special supposed to be keeping track of the block? So mm-hmm. I guess it's just and in this example, is special just like the entire method? Like, is that what the what the block is? Mm. So I at this point was a bit confused because I thought, well, shouldn't it be pointing at str? Um, but then later on, when we introduce, I think a second variable, or when we look at dynamic access. And we get another set of those three. So we have another variable and then we have another SVAR slash CREF and another special with another EP. And so it occurred to me, this, this is my understanding, that these things almost go in groups of three, which is like for any method scope, for any scope, you've got the, the, the local variables and SVAR slash CREF and a special. 
that relates to one layer, like one level of scope. Mm. And so the pointer mm. is just saying, it always ends with special at the top. So the pointer ah. says, hey, this is the level at which you look for any local variables. This is like the, ah, the starting okay. point. That's what I understood. Did that make any sense? Got it. Yeah. Yeah, that did make sense. Okay, cool. So, uh, okay. So on 318, uh, we see the display string method compiled into YARV instructions. So on the left, we have put string and then next to it in a, in a string local access, period. And then below that, we have set local OPWC0. And next to that is the number two. Then in the next line, we have put self. Next line, we have get local OPWC0 again, uh, except it's get instead of set. And next to that, we have the number two. And then finally, we have opt send simple, which we've seen before. And next to that, we have uh, angle bracket, call info, bang, mid, colon, puts, comma, uh, args, arg c, colon, one. And so on the right, we have our um, YARV internal stack again. And it looks very similar to the first one because we're just, you know, we're building on that. So we have str at the bottom. We have svar slash cref next. And we have special. And then on top of that, we've added or we filled in a new row with the string local access. So here, our EP, our environment, what's called? Yeah. Our environment pointer still is pointing to special, but our SP, which is our stack pointer, has bumped up one to the empty row above local access. So this bit, I was a bit, so I got a bit confused. Um, I think Pat unnecessarily confused me because, so normally we've been dealing with set local and get local, but this time it read differently, um, set local OPWC0. And Pat explains that with Ruby 2.0, there was an optimized version of set local and get local, which is this um, OPWC0 thing where OP stands for operand, um, WC stands for wildcard. And so you can translate get local OPWC0 to get local asterisk comma zero. Um, and so what, what this is, is like a shortcut, which means that rather than passing get local or set local two parameters, you can only pass it one, you only need to pass it one because one of the parameters in, is implicit in the, in the instruction, which is the zero. But so I spent a while going back and forth trying to understand what this meant, what the zero referred to, only for in the next paragraph, Pat to say, but to keep things simple, let's ignore the operand optimization. And I was like, <laughs> too late. I already got confused. <laughs> yes, yes. And actually, he then goes on to give an example, which is more helpful. Um, and so I don't think we needed the, the introduction of the operand and wildcard bit. I think that could have gotten rid of until we were until such time that we were going to go into it in a bit more detail if we were. But if not, I don't think we needed it. I don't know about you. Yeah. What is the number two in the set local OPWCs? Like what? What is two? Is that the local table? Okay. So I would have said it refers to an index in the local table, which is mm -hmm. would have been whatever stored with two. However. Um, Pat talks about this idea of find, using the number two to find the address in relation to the EP, the um, environment pointer. So he says oh. that um, you take the EP wherever it is and you subtract two and then you end up at the, so that means with the EP arrow, you'd go down two blocks and you end up where string is, STR. And so it's like a way to source the, um, 
which variable you're talking about. So I'm a bit confused. Hmm. I don't know whether there's always a mapping between the maybe Saron, this is what um this explains yeah. the confusion you had last week around this thing yep. being backwards. Yes. Because yep, exactly. remember we started with the later ah, now I see. So you know yeah. if you start with the later number, that is just means it's closest to the EP. So it's really the closest thing. So it's actually it's the it's the thing that went in first. That makes it that's why that makes sense now. So say you had three variables, it would be like EP minus, it would be like five or something. And this is mm -hmm. why it starts with two all the time because there's always special and S bar yeah. and C ref. And so the f the first, the, the one closest to the EP is always going to be minus two. There we go. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't click that when reading it alone, but I just got it now. That's a major breakthrough. Oh, I feel so relieved. Okay, that makes a lot so of that's sense. Where that, the that was the thing that drove me from. nuts about that. Yeah. The indices, they come from the relation to the environment pointer. Mm. Yes, yes. And I think, I can't remember where it was, but I think it was somewhere in the section where it said the environment pointer doesn't change, right? Did I make that up? Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, and that makes sense. For each scope is to set. Right, right. Which makes sense because we don't want our, you know, our local table to constantly be, like the way the stack pointer changes, the environment pointer does not change. So we know, like that just makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, having that as the index. Yep. You already sound a lot happier just from that revelation. I, I am. I'm a lot happier now. <laughs> like, yes. It's like it's like this this empty, you know, puzzle piece from I think it was like two, three weeks ago. It's like now filled. I'm like, yes, awesome. Getting closer to the full picture. <laughs> and so and so that's the first argument to set local and get local. And regarding the second argument, the zero, Pat says, we're gonna discuss the in dynamic variable access. Ooh. So don't need to worry about it for now. Okay. But cool. there is actually, I thought there was a cool um, diagram here that was super helpful. So in figure 319, we've got these, um, we've got these dotted lines. So we've got set local 2 comma 0. Um, and then what we have is on the Yav internal stack, we have a dotted arrow coming out from the local access that's been put on the stack and pointing to that set local instruction. And then we have a second dotted arrow going from that set local instruction down to the str variable. So it's showing like what actually happens. It's like we take that thing from the stack and we push it into the space reserved for the variable. So it's storing, it's storing that information. And it's quite straightforward, but I thought it was a useful addition to the diagram. Yes. And now, especially since I understand where those numbers come from, I really appreciate that diagram more. Because at first I was thinking, what do those arrows mean? How do we get from one to the other? You know, like what, like, because I wasn't sure mm. if it was, if it was something like a, a pointer, you know, where, it, or if it was just like a something to help us with that relationship. Um, but now that I know where that number comes from, yeah, it's very, very helpful to see how that all comes together. And so then, yeah, with figure 320, um, we just go, we look at it in the reverse. So we look at the get local so we can find what we need to put on the stack for the puts call. And it's just in reverse. So we've got get local two comma zero and we have um, a dotted arrow coming out from the bottom of the stack, um, the STR pointed to that instruction get local. And then we have a dotted um, line pointing to the top of the stack where we put local access. So we copy local access and we've read it from the space that's reserved for the variable string. And now we put that at the top of the stack ready for the puts call that's coming up next. So now we're moving on to a new section, which is about method arguments. And this one is called method arguments are treated like local variables. So here we are passing in a method argument. So in figure 3-21, we see def display underscore string and then passing in the argument str. And then we have puts str and then we have end. And on the right, we have our internal yarv stack and it is pretty empty. It doesn't have anything in it yet. 
Um, but the bottom, the very last uh, row next to it, it says arguments. And then the row above that, uh, next to it, we see variables. And then for the row above that, next to it, we have the stack pointer and an arrow, you know, symbolizing that's our stack pointer. So this is empty, but I assume we are going to fill it out pretty soon. So here we say that method arguments are essentially like uh, local variables. Um, and the big difference is that the calling code is going to push the arguments onto the stack before um, we even do the actual method call. Just interrupt, sorry. I think I made a mistake earlier then because you asked me about how does it know before this is talking specifically about arguments as opposed mm -hmm. to variables within the method. So I think ignore whatever I said earlier about um, <laughs> um, it doing something before the, the method. That's not quite right. That's only in the case of arguments, not in variables. Well, then how does it know? I don't know. There probably uh, is something happening beforehand. Okay. <laughs> don't worry, but I feel, but just there is a distinction here. Okay, cool. So with figure three twenty two, we see that the bottom row, the one that we've reserved for arguments, is going to be filled with str, which is the argument that we pa that we're passing into our display string method. And then above that, we have our svar slash cref, which we um, always have when, once we have our argument. And then we have special, which again, we always have. And then now we've added a new pointer, which is our environment pointer that is pointing at special. So one thing I want to say is looking at figure 321, um, the thing on the right, I don't think it's particularly one row for arguments and one row for variables. I think it's a set of rows, but any arguments are grouped together at the bottom. And then next up is variables, which includes the rows for any variables plus SVRC ref plus special. Because do you notice how they're fatter? Do you notice how they're fatter? I did um, notice the that. arguments. Yeah. yeah. I was like, is that on purpose? Yeah. And I think it's because it's not one to one. Um, so, it's just mm -hmm. all the argument stuff comes in first. Any arguments you have. So if we had str slash um, cake, like, I don't know why I've gone for cake again, but cake, mm -hmm. I think at the bottom of the stack, we'd see str and then we'd see cake and mm. then we'd see svrc ref and then special. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So when we talk about the the grouping of those, it's not um, a one-to-one -one with like each argument gets its own svr, its own special, but each argument, I guess like literally in the same environment gets a gets uh, a special and an svar slash cref um, row dedicated to it is that is that fair so i think if there were any arguments or variables in the same scope will share an svar and a cref i think that might be what you said in a special yeah. is that what you said yeah, I just yeah. What you said? yeah well okay, instead fine, of scope sorry. i said environment but yeah i meant scope yeah exactly yeah mm -hmm. okay yeah, yeah okay cool so next we're going to move on to dynamic variable access um, and so this is basically when Ruby uses dynamic access, which means that it calls on a variable that's defined in a different scope. So we have an example with listing 3-6, where we have def display string, str equals uh, the string dynamic access. And then underneath that, we have 10.times do. And in that block, we have puts str, so referencing the local variable that we set outside of that block. And then we end that block, and then we end the whole method. So here we have str, which is our local variable, and uh, that is set to the dynamic access string. So in figure 3-23, when we're figuring out how to create that um, internal stack, we start with our str equals dynamic access, and we add that to the very bottom of our stack, like we've been doing so far. So the first row from the bottom, 
reads str, then the second row above that is svar slash cref, then the row above that is special, and we have our stack pointer pointing to the empty row right above special. Yes, and so now we get on to looking at the block, and this is why I was thinking each scope has its own svar and cref and special, because in figure 324, we're now looking at the bit where it says 10 dot times do, and on top of the um, the str, svar slash cref and special that we already have, we now have 10, then we have another svar slash cref, and then we have another special. And then the other, but the difference here is that Pointing out from this special, we point. There's an arrow pointing out to the right, which references something called um, a block that says. When I say a block, a rectangle, and inside the rectangle, there's um, some bold lettering that says RB underscore block underscore T. And so this reminds me of those control frame structures, right? And so now that we actually are dealing with a block, I think this is where the special variable becomes more interesting. Um, and so 10 is put on the stack because it's the receiver of the times method. So we know that the receiver goes on first. Um, and then we also have a new stack frame um, that, that the um, SVRC ref and special refer to. And that stack frame is to handle the, the it was to refer to the C code that, in, that implements integer um, times. And yeah, as Pat says here, because we've got a block, now Ruby saves a pointer to the block in a special variable in this new stack frame. What is a frame? Is, is it like when, we, when we're talking about frames, is that just like each row? Have we been calling them rows? It's each one of those. No, it's each one of those. You know, those boxes that have like RB control frame T. Eval, oh, so frame RB. is short for control frame? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay That's okay. what I think. Okay, cool. So now we are going to look at the integer times method. So in figure 325, we're going to focus on the actual blocks. So we're going to focus on do, puts, str, and end. And on the right, we have our internal yarb stack again. And so we left off with str at the bottom, svar slash cref, then special, then 10, and then another svar slash cref, and then we ended with special. So here with figure 325, we're adding our third svar slash cref and another special. And our EP has also, well, it's funny, in 324, we actually don't say where the EP is explicitly. At least in my version, I don't have an EP. Do you have an EP? Oh, no, we don't. Okay. I don't. Yeah. Um, so I assume it's on special from, well, that's actually interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah, because for 324, the special um, seems to be referencing, like that arrow is just for us to know that it means a, a frame, right? That's not. Like, it's yeah. not a point or anything, right? So I assume the EP is still at the very first special. Um, and so with 325, we see where it says previous EP pointing to that first special from the bottom. And then we have a new EP, our current EP, which is pointed to the row labeled special um, that we just added. And then our SP, our stack pointer, uh, has bumped up one to the empty row above that special. I don't think I know what that means. Like, we... Um, the fact that there's a new SVAR and CREF and special, like... So that's because we've entered a new scope of the block now. But it, but that scope doesn't have any variables, or like any variables that we're defining. Yeah, it, okay. it doesn't, because STL's already been defined. Yeah. And it's just, we're just within a block. Okay, so I'm trying to find the connection, like the relationship between, um this idea of because because so far we've been talking about these three things which are the the str well in these examples has always been str but the place where we have the variable 
where we have the SVAR slash CREF and we have special. So we've been talking about these three things. And what I'm trying to understand is when do we start a new set? When do we use each one? Like, how does that work? So if we go back to where this all began, which was with our local variable access, we talk about just something super simple. We set str is equal to the string local access. And for that, we have all three. We start with str, then we have our svar cref, and then we have our special, right? And that's pretty simple. It makes sense. Then uh, when we wanted to actually set that variable to something, uh, we wanted to like set local. Then we added an additional thing that says local access string on top of special. So, so far we have four rows, str, svar, cref, special, and then the string local access. And those are the four rows that we have. And in that we have our environment pointer uh, focused on special. And all of that is related to um, like a single scope. And we're talking about like one variable at that point. I think the important, yeah, go on, continue, finish first. Yeah, let me let me just like finish my, my thought. Um, okay. Yes. So next, um, when we are doing, okay, when we're doing the method argument um, and what that looks like, again, we have the same ideas. We have our arguments, our variables, our special, like those three things, those three ideas. And um, here we build essentially the same thing. So we have our str again at the bottom. We have our svar, cref, we have our special. So we have the same, it, it looks like the stack itself looks the same as when we had just our single local variable. Uh, the only difference is we, because we're not setting that local variable to anything, it just stops there. And we have our environment pointer pointing at special and our stack pointer pointing to the empty row above that. So instead of having four filled out rows, we only have the three because we haven't set anything. Cool so far? Yeah, because there's no variable. Right. And we have one EP because, again, we're in one scope, and that's pretty much it. Okay. So now we're talking about the dynamic variable access. So the first part looks exactly like what we've been doing so far. So we have str. So we have str, the local variable, equals the string dynamic access. And we've, we're filling out our internal URL stack the same. So the bottom row is str. Then we have svar slash cref. Then we have special. And our sp is pointing at the empty row above. So everything is cool. Nothing... Nothing crazy has happened. Yes. Although, and I'm actually I'm actually just noticing this, it is funny that we don't set str to dynamic access at this point. Because when we when we had the similar example with um, example three, was it 321? Figure 3-17 um, in our def display string and we had str equals local access. We, we set that local access immediately above special, but here we don't do that. That's because the first thing that we're doing in each of these methods, each of these examples, is building up the YARV internal stack. And then we start going through the YARV instructions. So with the one before, it was very simple. It was just string equals local access, put string. And so then the next thing we did after building it, after having str, svar, cref, and special was we started going through the YARV instructions. We haven't got to the point where we started going through the YARV instructions yet because we've got all these different things going on, which is string equals dynamic access, and then 10 dot times do, and then the block. We're just building up YARV's internal stack before we even get started with executing any of the stuff. Like, are you saying that we make the stack before we actually write the instructions? No, the instructions could be there. But before we start working through the instructions, we've made the uh, we've we've put some things on the R internal stack. So if we go to three seventeen, figure three seventeen, um, we just take the based on just the method. Before we even look at the Yav instructions for that method, it knows some things. 
it's like, oh, I'm setting a local variable, str equals, so I need to make a space for whatever str is, which is which it does. And then every method has an svrc ref and a special. So at that point, there's nothing else to do on the Yarv internal stack. So we go to 3.18 and we start going through the Yarv instructions, which is put string local access, set local, put self. And then it starts doing stuff, like the SP starts moving. Where, how, where is the Yarv instructions at figure 3.17? They're not there. It's just the method and the Yarv internal stack. So we go from, so that's what I was asking. So we're going from method to the stack and then making the Yarv instructions? I don't know in which order it happens. Like the Yarv instructions might be being made at the same time in a parallel process, but it's a separate thing. The Yarv, building up of the Yarv internal stack is separate to the Yarv instructions. I'm just like, I just don't understand when we decide we make a new... Okay, like the SVRC ref special? Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. So I think the way I understand it is that, and it's not that clear, but I think that you get a new... SVRC ref or special with any arguments or variables per method. But then if within that method you have extra methods or X or new levels of scope, you also get a new set. So with display string, you get one and it's got the str variable. But then you also have another method within that method, which is dot times. And so you get another set. But then you also have a block, which is a new scope. And so you get the third set. So each of the SVAR, CREF, special, all of that is related to different scopes or variables. Scopes or methods. Because do you remember the, um, um, let me find. But a method is a new scope. Yes, but I just used the word scope because within a method, you can either have a method or something like a block. So if I called a method in a method, that would give me a new SVAR, CREF, special set? Yes, definitely. Okay. That I'm pretty confident on. Okay, cool. Because you'd have certain metadata about that method, like last um, regular expression match or last exception or whatever. Okay, cool. Okay, so now in figure 3.26, we finally see how Ruby uses dynamic variable access. So um, we've got, um, I think it's easier for me to look at the the Yarv internal stack first. So we've got, I'm going from bottom to top. We've got str, then sfar slash cref, then special, um, with an arrow pointing into that, which says previous EP. Uh, then going up the stack, we've got 10, svar slash cref special, svar slash cref again special, and this is because we're in the block, and then we've got the EP because the current environment where we are is um, the block. And I think this is why it's important that we interrupt the program whilst in the middle of the block because it enables us to say we're stopping at the point where the environment pointer is within the block. And then we have self because we're starting to um, work through some YAV instructions, which I'll go to in a minute. And then we have um, dynamic access um, on the top as a string. And then at the no next top empty block, we've got SP. So looking at the YAV instructions on the left, we've got one box of YAV instructions, which say put self, get local, two comma one, and then opt in simple. Um, and we're going to look into that in a bit more detail in a minute. And then we've got a box of Yarv instructions at the bottom. And that says, put string dynamic access, set local 2,0, put object 10, send. And then we've got call info mid times, um, and then the block block in display string. So in the first set of Yarv instructions, we set dynamic access. Um, we set str to equal dynamic access, just how we did in the local access example. And now when we're in the block and we have the Yarv instructions that says get local, what it does is it, um, it's two. So it's the environment pointer that refers to um, two steps down 
um and it goes from the there's a dotted line that goes from the str at the bottom of the stack all the way to that instruction in the second set of yarv instructions and then we see a dotted line to the top of the stack relating to dynamic access and this is where um one the the, the second argument one which used to be a zero is saying go one step away from the block scope and so this is where we go into the surrounding method scope and so we have access to variables that are in the outer scope so it's it's telling it's almost like giving um an address to um the yav machine and saying hey don't look in this don't look in the current ep that we're in look in the one one step out and then in example 3.7 we've got another example of this where ruby would look two steps down um so we've got another bit of uh, code which says def display string str equals uh, the string dynamic access then 10 dot times do and then within that 10 dot times do again puts str end 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 and so now like whereas before in the last example we had get local 2 1 2 comma 1 we would now have get local 2 comma 2 and so that would tell the off machine okay don't look within the current block scope go one out and then go another one out to find where um, str is set cool so i think for me i'm trying to think i'm trying to decide between a five or a six so it's interesting because i would have said a six because i thought i understood this week's reading better um and um, there are a few more things that were falling into place. However, some of your questions have made me doubt myself a bit and realize how much oh, no. I've been filling in. Real, made me realize how much I've been filling in my own gaps. So I think I'm gonna go with a go with a five again. Okay. Um, because I'm now a bit more shaky. On a wait a minute, how much have I filled in? And I don't know. I have no one else to tell me that no, you're right or not. Um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the fence a bit and be a bit more neutral and say it's a five. Um, and I hope that hopefully with next week's reading, um, some of this stuff becomes clearer, keep, just keeps getting clearer. Yeah. And I also feel like you're, um, I, I want everything, like I want to understand 100% of everything and I want to see how everything relates to each other immediately. And I think you're much more comfortable getting most of it, but not all of it and waiting it out and kind of, you know, mm. assuming it'll figure itself out eventually. And I don't like that. Like I want to know right now. So I think I'm much more likely to be frustrated than than you are in these um, in, in scenarios where we have to fill in our own gaps. Um, I would give this reading, I think, a three. I think I'm going to give this one a three. Again. <laughs> yes, because I agree with you. I think it was definitely – it was way more straightforward than last week's reading. But there was still like a – like the gap that was missing for me was a pretty big gap. Like the whole relationship between – the R instructions, the actual method, the C structure, which popped in for like a second and then went away again. Um, and then the internal Yarv stack, like it's just, that is so, so unclear. And I, I feel like, I feel like it could have been cleared up in just a few sentences. Like, I don't think it would have taken much to say, you know, this is how they all relate, but because that wasn't there, it was, it made it very hard for me to get a lot out of this section, out of this reading. So we want to know, what did you think of the reading this week? Tweet us your score at Ruby Book Club and tell us about how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio! Cheerio!